This is the Hunt for Wellness podcast with Mike Ryan, 59 Boucher. It's another great day for wellness. And this is Bones bringing the packs of F3 Nation the latest strategies and tips to accelerate their king and optimize their queen. Health is a journey and requires you to take a proactive approach on a daily basis. Knowing exactly what to do and how to do it will help you achieve it faster. Each week, we are going to be interviewing the leading health and wellness experts, sharing inspiring stories from the packs, and diving into the latest research to help you optimize your health. So get ready as we embark on your hunt for wellness. Well, welcome back to another edition of the Hunt for Wellness podcast. This is Bones, uh, Dr. Tunis Hunt, and I am super excited about our show today and our special guest. Uh, Pax, you are in for a big treat. Um, I met our guest uh, just kind of secondhand, if you will, uh, when I was attending the Jacksonville Sandlocked uh, uh uh, event that GORUCK was putting on uh, this past month. And, you know, they, uh, one of the things that they offered was the speaker series where they invited some real high impact people from across the country to come and speak on some different topics. And today's guest was one of those speakers. And I really was impressed with what he had to say and, and later found out that he was an F3 man himself. And I just knew that he would be a perfect guest for this podcast and to bring his wealth of knowledge and information that uh, he applies not only in his personal life, but he does in his professional life. And more importantly, uh, what are the things that he can bring to the table as far as what you as a PAX member can do to maximize your own health? So I am talking about our guest, Mike Ryan, or affectionately known in the gloom as Boucher, uh, as our special guest. Uh, welcome to the show, Boucher. Thank you, Bones. I appreciate you having me. Yes, sir. Well, I'm, I was, like I mentioned, super excited that you're here. Uh, as I mentioned, uh, heard you speak at Sandlock Jacks and was super impressed with the message that you brought. So before we kind of dive into what that message was and some of the things that we want to talk about today, bring us up to speed about who you are, uh, your F3 journey, how you learned about F3, and certainly why the name Boucher. Well, it's, it's, it's a long story, but a, but a fun one and a fun uh, chat down, the, down that road. I'm a physical therapist and athletic trainer. Uh, I'm presently the sports medicine analyst for NBC Sports and Sunday Night Football. I was a head athletic trainer and physical therapist in the National Football League for 26 years, 20 with the Jaguars and the previous six with the New York Giants. Uh, at my F3 uh, journey started. I saw a great uh, TV show on the, on the guys in Charlotte and what they were doing. I thought that is so cool because I, I love working out. I'm an Ironman triathlete and uh, working out with fellow guys and their whole attitude of uh, rain, snow, sleet, whatever it takes, get out there and work out. So here, here in, I live in Ponte Vedra and the, the group that I joined here, uh, it was a natural fit. Bunch of great guys. And uh, my nickname Boucher came from my very first NFL game was a preseason game as an intern with the New York Giants. And it was in New England against the Patriots, a place where I grew up just outside of there and went to a lot of games as a kid. So I'm like walking out in the field with all these cups before the game thinking, man, I finally made it to the NFL. I'm on the field. And I walk out there in this, this glaze. And as I get to the sideline, I realize the, the big bag of cups I've been holding had a hole in it. So the cups were lined all the way down the sideline and all the way up the tunnel. So if you know anything about Boston sports fans, they're brutal. So here I am, this embarrassed kid picking up the cups all the way down the sideline. And I was getting beer thrown at me and everybody laughing. It was kind of this, you know, okay, young punk, uh, welcome to the NFL kind of thing. And uh, hence the the Waterboy Cup, Boucher. It just seemed like a natural fit from the, from the pack to hit me with that first day and that first workout. Oh, man, what a great story. I appreciate that uh, that imagery that you painted for us <laughs> being in Boston because I think everyone can resonate with the fact that the Boston fans are brutal. They love their teams. Brutal. And if you're not – if you're not a Boston uh, team or a fan in Boston, uh, you're you're definitely good. You're 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 prime target for ridicule, and so <laughs> big, big time. And I I, I, I was low hanging fruit, shall we say? 
absolutely. And, and <laughs> when I heard that, when I heard initially the, the name Boucher, I, I was curious if it had something to do with Waterboy or the whole concept behind that. And then certainly learning about your profession thought, Hey, well, maybe they just kind of put the pieces together, but did not know the Waterboy story personally. Uh, so I appreciate you sharing that with us. So quite a colorful uh, career, it sounds like, as far as really working with elite athletes, uh, both with the, the Giants and then uh, the Jaguars. Now, were you part of the Jaguar team when they first kind of launched uh, in the I 90s? When I came okay. down in 94, literally the stadium was a hole in the ground. So it was really cool coming from the New York Giants, who started, I believe, in 1928. So they were one of the oldest NFL teams. So when I came down here in 94, I was coming to the youngest team. So it was really cool. And literally, we worked out of three trailers in the parking lot. The stadium was a hole in the ground. So I was part of that whole process in 94, 95 of setting up the entire medical staff, all the doctors, all the staff, um, what color the carpet's going to be, what kind of equipment. So it was really cool to kind of literally build it from the ground up. And we had great success right out of the gate. I mean, our second year in existence in the 96, 97 season, we made the AFC championship game, one game away from the Super Bowl. And three years later, we did the same thing. So you know, it was great success, and um, I love my time with the Jaguars. I'm still a big Jaguar fan, and obviously still root for them. I still live here in uh, outside of Jacksonville, and um, it, it was kind of a really cool process of kind of work with that, work with elite athletes. Um, just a, a lot of rewarding, great career, something that I remember as a sophomore in high school, a guidance counselor handed me a pamphlet talking about athletic training, and that day saying, I'm going to be an athletic trainer in the NFL, and running home and telling my mom, who amazing woman who raised five kids by herself, and I was the youngest to say, mom, guess what? I got a career now. I'm going to go to college, be an athletic trainer, work in the NFL. So to kind of have that dream, I still remember that rainy day of running home with that pamphlet to come into fruition of actually uh, doing it and having a wonderful career I'm very proud of and very grateful for. Uh, it's been an amazing journey, but that journey's not over. Yeah, no, I mean, you got a lot of exciting things going on and still kind of part of that NFL family, if you will, in, in this yes. new role as the, the analyst on NBC Sports and Sunday Night Football. So just a couple quick things. I, I love the fact that you were inspired in high school to have this career and not only was inspired by it, but you fulfilled it and kind of fulfilled it at its top level. I mean, we're not talking about you just doing it on the sidelines of a high school stadium, which you know, as a fantastic opportunity as well, sure. but to kind of get to this eliteness. So, uh, you know, that's just kudos to you as far as the type of person you are and your willingness to kind of go after your dreams. As far as kind of getting involved with the Giants, I'm just curious, how did you kind of get that opportunity? What was that process like to kind of get initially into that NFL um, opportunity? Well, well, first, thank, thank you for your kind words up front, but I have to put a big asterisk on that and that literally me to get to where I, I was and where I am and continue to go to is really, I'm just an example of a lot of people willing to help me. And your second question is, is it a perfect example of that is the New York Giants took one intern during the summer and the previous year after my sophomore in high school, I'm sorry, sophomore year in college, I worked at Columbia university to get more exposure at a bigger school than where I was in central Connecticut. And I knew that the head athletic trainer for Columbia was good friends with the head athletic trainer for the Giants. So if I did a kick-ass job, I'd get a great recommendation. Well, I'm going to win this scholarship, uh, which is all in New England and Pennsylvania and um, the whole Northeast. So I'm getting this big scholarship during my junior year. And I, the head athletic trainer for the Giants is also going to be there. So great. I could be at the same dinner and, and maybe get the little ins and talk to him. I've met him before one other time. Well, two days before the dinner, I dislocated and fractured my ankle. I was a miler in college. And here I am. My uh, running season that year is over. And I can't go to this awards dinner. I got the cast from my hip to my toes. And I'm like, screw that. I talked my girlfriend into throwing me into my, my baby blue Ford Fairmont and drive me up to the Catskills to meet the head athletic trainer. And I go in there and I can't feel my toes because my toes are black. I just had surgery the day before. And after that dinner, I'm talking to the head athletic trainer for the Giants. And he says, man, if you're willing to come all the way up here to see me, do you really want that internship? And I said, more than anything in the world. And right there at that awards dinner, he gave me that internship. That was 1984, and literally 10 years later, I'm the head athletic trainer, youngest athletic trainer in the NFL, head athletic trainer with the Jaguars a mere 10 years later. So perfect example of a wonderful guy who's still a mentor of mine, took a chance on me, and um, I was very fortunate to work hard enough, have enough people to parlay that into a wonderful career. Wow. Yeah, and, and you know, you speak to the, the 
a the amazingness of connections and and Absolutely. building relationships and and but also on the other spectrum your willingness to not say no to yourself and your willingness to kind of put yourself out there and and really go get it because i think a lot of people you know they would have looked at your situation and made excuses of why this probably wasn't a good fit and why they maybe shouldn't do it and sure. you know you took the other the other spectrum so fantastic and then how did you kind of parlay that into the analyst position that you currently have well i did i was on a lot of committees i always like volunteer for stuff and helping out and, and as a lot of people help me i'm always willing to help people and help people along the journey be it the physical part the career part so just in, in my process of being on a lot of committees, I was in the um, NFL Athletic Trainers Research and Education Foundation. I was a president for that for 14 years. So I had a lot of connections with what I did. Well, when I retired from the Jaguars in 2014, because I just, I wanted some new challenges and I have two young kids and a wonderful wife. I want to spend more time with them. And two weeks later, I get a call from the um, producer for Sunday Night Football and he says, hey, you know, we'd like to bring you in and interview you and do some camera work and see if there's something you'd be interested in joining this. Because... If, if you think about it, at, at that point, there was no medical people with NFL experience that are on NFL networks. You had ex-coaches, ex-players, ex-referees, ex-general managers, but there was no one speaking with medical issues who had extensive medical uh, experience at the NFL level with any of the networks. So it was a nice start to kind of creating a new career and work with some wonderful people with NBC Sports that, I mean, every meeting for every week and every game, listen to the Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth and Fred Gidelli, our producer, and Michelle Tafoya. These, these are people from broadcast component that's on the new guy and have literally zero experience at. Uh, I learned something from them every, every week, and it's been a wonderful opportunity that continues to develop, and uh, I continue to have a lot of fun with it. Yeah, it sounds like it. And so you, you do that, obviously, during the, the, the season uh, for the yes. I mean, uh, quite a bit of, of that. Uh, time for, but you're also doing private practice, correct? I mean, you still kind of continue to see patients on a day-to-day basis. I have to, I mean, my having hands-on athletes and work with them that return to play that for me, that's a really, really rewarding part of my job of helping athletes get back in the field and get back to doing what they really love. And, you know, I love the NFL experience. I love working with elite athletes and the challenge because you get them back to 90%, they're out of a job. They're still not good enough. You have to get them back to that elite level, sometimes above what they were before. That was a great challenge and I loved it, but I wanted to apply that instead of trying to get 48 guys ready every Sunday for an NFL game. I thought I'd love to take that and get 4,800 people better each week by sharing stuff on social media and, and kind of, I love taking elite sports medicine care that we did in the NFL and continue to do on a daily basis and apply it for weekend warriors like me and you and, and the F3 crew and, and people that just, they just want to stay in the game because the, the way I look at it is if I can help Johnny down the street manage his knee pain so he can get into F3 and do the workouts. Well, guess what? Johnny's going to be a better dad. Johnny's going to be a better brother. Johnny's going to be a better worker. Johnny's going to be a better neighbor. So just the impact of sort of like that one star quarterback on a Sunday, if I get Johnny better, he can impact conservatively speaking, 20, 30 people in his circle. So there's a real rewarding power for me, helping people and getting people back to what they want to do whatever that is. I'm not saying you have to do this, but if they want to be a runner, they can be a runner. If they want to be active with their kids, if they want to pursue that dream that they've kind of put on hold because of pain, man, I love taking care of those things and getting it back to do what they need to do to be happy and live the lifestyle that makes them happy. Yeah, no, I mean, I can tell just the way you talk about it, the passion that you have as far as kind of helping people and and really kind of finding that niche in life uh, of your true calling. So I I know your community uh, at large is, uh, benefiting by you serving them on a hands-to-hands basis. And then just to your point, your ability to share, you know, your message in big media and that opportunity through social media and other platforms. And even, you know, something like this podcast that are just, in my opinion, going to radically help so many guys across our country who are really they, they have that desire to be better men. They have desires to be better leaders. And we all kind of know that part of that is our health. And when we don't have health, it affects every other aspect of how Big we time. can show up, uh, not only uh, in the gloom, but how we can show up for our families. And, and exactly. you know, as a chiropractor, I work with people all the time as well who just 
unfortunately can become debilitated by pain and just cannot function as well as they need to or, or want to and allowing them to recover and, and improve that, that, that underlying issue so that they can regain some of that, in some instances, independence and in some Absolutely. instances, just a, a advantage at what they're trying to do is so rewarding. So, and I can tell that that's what you experience as well. And this Absolutely. is, a, I mean, it's a great segue into kind of why I wanted you to come on the show today, because, you know, obviously you have firsthand knowledge and experience working with the highest uh, of elite athlete there is out there. And um, I would imagine predominantly men, uh, specifically in the NFL, but maybe you've worked with other elite athletes in, in different, sure. different arenas and in, in different sports. But, you know, I know there's a certain level of, of what is necessary to perform at that level. And I think we as weekend warriors, if we can have a kind of an inside look at maybe what it takes to, to, to perform at that level, maybe we can also be inspired about what we can do uh, in our own lives to kind of get up to that point. And then we can maybe talk about some strategies that you feel like are perfect for you know, the average guy that's trying to go out and post four, five, six days and, and really kind of work what pitfalls to avoid, and more importantly, what we can be doing on a consistent basis to keep us out there. So maybe kind of we'll back things up and, and maybe we can start just um, about that reality. I think you and I were talking offline a little bit. You talked about, you know, taking care of the little things. And so Absolutely. maybe you can expound on what you mean by that and, and maybe some things that we can apply. Sure. It's, it's a great segue because that is the real the specialty here that keeps people in the game, as I like to say, um, taking care of the little issues before they become big problems. I think a perfect example of that is pain. And, and where do you have pain and manage it? And pain is, isn't a natural feeling, but it's nothing to be freaked out about. In other words, I, I see pain in a lot of ways is it's that blinking light on the dashboard. Well, to get rid of that light, that blinking light in the dashboard, you can do two things. First one, you can take a little duct tape and cover over that, that light. And man, it's gone. You don't have to worry about it. Unfortunately, sometimes we're all guilty of doing that. The, obviously, the better thing to do is why is that light blinking and what do we need to do to correct it? And a lot of times is little pains. And what can you do? Is the pain coming from the joint? Is the pain coming from a muscle? Is the pain coming from simple things? You, you, you'd be uh, surprised with this bones. A lot of people, as you have as a chiropractor, you can really cure a lot of the pain with something as simple as a quarter-inch heel lift. You level off the pelvis, the back pain goes away, the muscles loosen up, you get rid of those protective spasms. So a lot of the things that I've learned with elite athletes and learning the, the elite sports medicine care, a lot of it does not have to be complicated. And a lot of it comes down to the, the one trade I find with elite athletes, and I've worked with Olympic athletes, I've worked with professional athletes all across the board, is really successful athletes have the ability to listen to their body. And I, I'll say it again, because it's important, elite athletes have the ability and the insight and the need and willingness to listen to their body. And the body, we're a lot smarter than, the body's a lot smarter than we give it credit for. So sometimes you have this pain and say, oh, damn, I got pain. What pill can I take? You know, oh, I can't do this. I can't do that. Is what's that pain telling me? Pain is a message. Listening to it and address it and say, if it's a simple, it's a muscle issue, we can handle it with a roller. We can handle it with some stretching. Uh, is there something we're doing in our daily activity? Um, I saw a dentist the other day was having some hip issues. And I realized for 30 years, he's been leaning on one hip as he works on his patients. We talked about shifting to the other side of the chair and 85% of his pain went away. So sometimes it's listening to the body and find out why am I having this kind of pain and what can I do to correct it? And, and a lot of things too is modifying the workouts. And I, I did a great podcast, a great um, blog post one time and it talked about risk versus reward. And when we start something new, that's a perfect example. Guys get into the F3. Some of them might not be ready for some of those activities and say, hey, how can we modify it? So a simple saying that I use with myself and with my athletes that makes a world of difference and saves a lot of pain is before you start something new, just simply say, is the risk of what I'm about to do worth the reward? And it sounds very elementary. I kind of put, I do a little diagram like on a teeter-totter, risk versus the reward. And how many times have we done something really stupid? We try to carry all six boxes up the stairs so we can do it in one load instead of splitting it up into two and you tweak your back. So a lot of times we get in trouble and say, what was I thinking? Why did I try to do that? Well, if you ask that question about is the risk of this versus the reward, and if the answer is no, you modify it. 
because you know in, in, in these f3 workouts they're awesome but you get guys of different abilities different medical histories different ages different body parts so as you kind of modify things the right way and adjust things as needed and getting with people like yourself and me or other other guys who are in the pack that may know ways we can modify this one little workout to do something different and guess what you're putting the load on the muscles you're getting stronger but you're not setting yourself back because what, what i've learned is on the north side of 59 years old now is we just have to avoid the setbacks because we don't heal like we did when we were 25 years old so if we can smart enough to modify what we need to do avoid setbacks and stay in the game and head in the right direction you know for more times than not that's going to take care of a lot of our problems yeah, no, I mean, I think you hit the you know nail on the head there, and and I appreciate everything that you shared, you know, up to this point uh, as far as some of those talking points. I love the analogy of the uh, check engine light, if you will, or the or the warning signal. Mm. I, I've used that as well in the past, as far as you know, are we are we just blocking out the light, or are we getting to the root cause? And I think that's yeah. something that people overlook because we are such a no pain, no gain society. And we feel like, well, if I can take this that alleviates the pain, I've just addressed the problem. Well, no, you didn't. Pain, as you mentioned, is the body's signaling device that something isn't correct. And yep. so finding the solution to that pain is optimal, not only for, for prevention of, you know, catastrophe or, or, or problem immediately, but certainly long-term issues and, and, and ability to stay at it. So I'm glad you brought that up. And so on the lines of pain, um, you know, we talk about listen to our bodies, kind of explain a little bit, what's the difference between pain we uh, are, are quote, unquote, normal or, or natural as a result of straining or, or pushing ourselves, you know, through a workout versus something that we might, is, is a red light that we might need to get addressed? That's a great question. And, and I put on a little different umbrella. I call it good pain and bad pain. Okay. And when people, I, I had a patient last week who was going through a lot of issues. And I said, you should write down what you're feeling, write down what it feels like, what's the pain, kind of get into it and, and just write it down, put a date on it and just stick it away somewhere. Because when you get better, when you do the right kind of things and you get back to, and then you're back to doing your workouts. When you do your workout, you have deep muscle pain, fatigue, burning, all those good things. That's what I call good pain. So you have the ability to separate good pain, which is volunteer pain. That means I'm getting better and stronger and heading the right direction compared to bad pain, which is injury pain. And sometimes if we have the ability to decipher between them, it's a really, really healthy way to do it. Because then you're not freaking out about the pain. You're let, literally analyzing the plans. Oh, this is a good pain. This is what I really want. Because, and that's a great thing about being an athlete is people that may not have a history of being an athlete, all pain is bad. All pain is the blinking light in the dashboard, you know, death calm three, you know, we're in, we're in trouble, doom, gloom kind of thing. No, just analyze the pain. You look at it. I, I like to use a lot of uh, analogies because work with a lot of athletes. Um, I've never worked with a road skull, if you know what I mean. So having the ability to use analogies is, uh, is always a powerful way to make an example is the guy who's spinning the 50 plates at the circus. There's no way he can look at all 50 plates. But what does he do? He gets them going. He has this kind of glazed look. He's kind of overlooking everything. One of those plates starts to wobble. It gets his attention, his peripheral vision, and now it's got his complete and undivided attention. Now he's looking at that one plate, not the 50 plates. He ignores the other 49 and he gets that one plate spinning the right way and he goes back to this glazed approach. And I think that's a lot of way we handle our body. Things kind of take care of themselves. A lot of things, a vast majority are on autopilot if we do the right thing, if we take care of business, so to speak. Then all with that one plate becomes an issue. We address it and suddenly it doesn't take down the other 49 plates. So I think that taking care of business, doing the right thing, um, the flexibility kind of things, the balance things, the meditation. Like, like I always say, I like to work with my athletes and myself from the neck up and the neck down. You can't separate the two because they're very, very powerful. And, and I think doing those kind of things to get people to kind of take care of all those little things and put them at vast majority of things on autopilot that your body's happy with and you can focus on what really needs your attention, be it your job, your family, your career, your goals, all your aspirations. Um, I, I think that gets you into a nice balance of your life uh, and all the important pillars that make up our life. Sure. Yeah, no, I like that analogy with the spinning plate because you're absolutely right. A lot of it is autonomic and, you know, moving yes. without us having to put a lot of attention to. But Which then, shows how fascinating and gifted our body is. 
They Absolutely. can do that without having to worry about it. And, and that, that's a beautiful thing. If Sometimes we just have to get out of the way and let it do its job and, and, and do the right thing so it can do its job. Because uh, it's a fascinating machine that we're very, very gifted and uh, should all be very grateful to have. Absolutely. And even more of reason why, you know, we have to be intentional about improving it on a day-to-day basis and, and not allowing things to kind of, you know, allow that health, I guess, to spin out of control because, yes. you know, it, when it decreases, we mentioned it already, it kind of decreases everything else in our lives. You mentioned modification. Um, and I, I think that's something, you know, worth having a conversation about because, you know, there's, there's different schools of thought when it comes around modification. Uh, certainly you have guys that are, you know, getting out in the gloom and, and certainly aren't capable of doing some of the things that may be um, called by the queue. And, and, and I say it all the time. I said, the, the blessing and the curse of F3 is we're peer led, uh, yeah. which means that, you know, on any given workout, you could have a situation where you have someone who's well thought out, a cue and, and really maybe understands um, physiology and understands exercise science and maybe even understands how to, you know, use opposing muscle groups and, and, and maybe all that. And then you might have a guy that is just in the mindset of, I'm going to do whatever I can to break these people today. And yeah. unfortunately, if you're not in tune with what your own capabilities are, you may find yourself getting sucked down the rabbit hole of, sure. of injury. And some of that's, you know, because of social shaming, you don't want to be the one guy. Sure. And, and I've mentioned before, there's nothing wrong with modification. I'd rather, sure. and, I, and I think I shared this on a, on a different podcast, but, you know, form matters. And yes. so, it, you know, for instance, if you can't physically do 20 Merkins in a, in a, in a nice plank, allowing your arms to completely bend, getting your chest to the floor, I'd rather you get on your knees and allow that full range of motion to occur than trying to stay in a plank position and barely bend your elbows just because a, you're not really working the muscle group. Like it was designed to be worked, but B you're really kind of setting yourself up for injury. So speaking of that, what are some of the most common injuries that you maybe would see in your practice or even in, in the NFL or maybe just with other PACS members that you feel like, people aren't modifying when they should and what are some of those common injuries that you might see? Okay. Um, well, as far as in the NFL, 51% of injuries involve the knees. So okay. that's a, that's a big factor. If you step out of the NFL, it's probably not quite that high, but the knees, I, I'd say typically for the average guy in the pack and most uh, men over 30 years old, if you look at injuries, they probably the top three would be knees, low back and shoulders those tend to make up a lot of the issues there. So looking at those as far as knees, um, a, a couple things is really important for almost every joint is our goal is to increase our pain-free range of motion because age, arthritis, activity, sitting, it tends to make our joints get tighter and limited. So that range of motion gets tighter and smaller. We have to focus on getting bigger, wider, in bold letters, pain-free range of motion. So if you look at that as an objective, your, yours is a perfect one as far as the push-ups go. Instead of doing that kind of pseudo plank and you can more bobbing your head more than dropping the chest down, if you're on your knees, now you're focusing on a bigger range of your shoulders. You're, aver- you're loading the pecs. You're loading your, loading your triceps. You're increasing the range of motion of your shoulders. So that's a great example of you're taking the load off the muscles, but you're getting through a bigger range. Um, the number one factor contributing to kneecap pain, pain, any pain around the kneecap is tight quads. So I always tell people, you got to get on the roller. You got to stretch your quads. You have to get better range of your quads. And, you know, the ultimate goal is if you're laying on your stomach, you or someone else should be able to grab your, your knee and slowly bend it to the point where your heel should come within a fist width from your glutes. So your heel should almost come close to touching your glutes. To the glutes would be ideal, but if it's in a fist length, you have pretty good flexibility. If you try this at home, most guys won't be able to get too, too close to their, uh, their heels, to their glutes. And what that is, that's telling you, hey, your quads are way too tight and your knees may be a little bit too tight as well. So getting on the roller, getting the flexibility, instead of saying stronger, stronger quads, let's get stronger quads, but more flexible quads. So that's a perfect example of a way of becoming more functional. You're taking a lot of stress off the knees and you're coming stronger. 
those, those are great combination when it comes to preventing knee injuries. And you look at the kind of things that we do from, from burpees to squats to getting in and out of the chair, you need strong quads in a big range of motion. Um, when it comes to the shoulders, a big part of that is getting, getting really stronger with external rotation. And a lot of that you can do with a rubber band, you can do with cable machines. But when I see guys that get a typical injury we see with the shoulders is an impingement. And it's pinching deep in the shoulder. It's under the AC joint. They get pain on the lateral deltoid, that area, because that's referred pain from the rotator cuff. And when that typically happens, external rotation becomes very, very weak. So getting stronger in external rotation is, is a really important one just for general maintenance of everyone's shoulders. In a great, so again, I like to keep stuff really simple. A great simple exercise everybody should be doing on a daily basis is pendulums. And average guy, I'd say 15 to 20 pounds. It could be a dumbbell, it could be a kettlebell. It could be a milk jug filled with sand or water. And literally bend over, put your hand on a chair or table and you bend over about 45 degrees, hold that weight in your hand and let do small little circles with your hand, just like a pendulum would do. And what that does is it pulls on the shoulder joint, as you know, bones, it increases the space under the AC joint, takes a boatload of pressure off the rotator cuff. And it's just a simple, easy way to loosen up your shoulder joint by taking the pressure off the joint surface. And I always tell people, have a milk jug by your bed or in the garage or over by the coffee machine that you just, that's part of your morning routine. Just grab that 15, 20 pound weight, do maybe 15 circles clockwise, 15 counterclockwise. And when you stand up, you're like, man, that shoulder feels so much looser. Took you a whopping 35 seconds to do it. And here you prevented injuries, increased your pain-free range of motion, and, and you got a happier shoulder. Yeah, I mean, I think to your point, I think the majority of injuries happen because we're not preparing our bodies for the activities that we're doing. And those are exactly. great examples of exactly what we should be doing. Yet most of us don't. I mean, it's usually the simplest things that we just overlook when it comes to maintaining our health and wellness that uh, unfortunately add up. And to your point earlier, taking care of the little things first. That's key. Um, you, you mentioned um, the, the quad stretches and you talked about a roller. Are you suggesting um, kind of taking something that you roll across the quads or using like a foam roller on the floor and putting your quads on it? What, what do you feel like is the better technique there? I'm a bigger fan for the foam rolling. And I have to say this, I'm, I'm obviously biased. During the pandemic, I had to shut my physical therapy clinic down for about eight months. So I had to do something. I got a lot of energy. So I wrote uh, Foam Rolling for Dummies, the book. Oh, there you go. So I'm a big, big fan. I've been rolling for years. I use it with all my patients. And I, I took a lot of the techniques and put it in the book. Because foam rolling is just so easy to get to, especially the quads, uh, the shoulder issues, the low back. It's just it's a simple way of maintaining pliable, loose, limber muscles, which decrease pain and allow your joints to have a lot more range of motion. So I'm a bigger fan of getting on the roller, doing the foam rolling, and I time it. You know, like he said, we did, sometimes we don't take care of things. I went along and started timing all these little things we did. And the reality is it doesn't take a lot of time. It's like flossing your teeth. Like, oh, I don't want to do that. Well, it takes you a minute and a half. So it doesn't take a lot of time. Rolling, simple stretching is, uh, is the same way. It takes you about a minute and a half per leg to roll the quads and the IT bands. So you could roll both legs in less than five minutes. And if that's enough to get, like we talked earlier, getting better range of motion of your, of your quads and take a boatload of pressure off the front of your knees in less than five minutes, uh, that goes a long way. And a little, little challenge I throw out to the, to the pack is if you're not a big foam roller guy, get a foam roller and get on the roller. But before you do that, just march across your room, high knees, see how it feels, do a couple squats and say, which leg is tighter? So whichever is the tighter the two legs, roll just that one leg. Again, take you a minute and a half, two minutes tops. Get off the roller. You're going to roll up the front and then down the outside and then do the same thing. March across the room and do a few squats. So literally you make a comparison on the, the tightest of the two legs by marching, squatting, rolling, marching, squatting. Literally within four or five minutes, you make a simple comparison. And I tell people this and they laugh at it and I get emails and messages all the time on it saying, you were right. That one leg, again, the tighter of the two legs in less than five minutes will feel 10 years younger than the leg you did not roll. Wow. So I tell people to do that a couple times a day, two or three days in a row on that one leg. Do everything else with both legs, but the only leg you roll is the tighter of the two legs. And I tell you, Bones, the comparison and the analogy, because I can talk all day and show you this and you read all these things. But if your legs are telling you my leg feels this way before and this way after, it's a powerful example. You say, you know what? 
maybe those three or four minutes per day might be time well spent to do a little bit of that maintenance if my knees feel better and I can work out like I want to and I can take less Advil. Um, I, I think it's a no-brainer. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're inspiring me. I mean, a, a true, true transparency. That's something I personally do not do enough of is that proper stretch and certainly using a foam roller as a professional i recommend it all the time you know i have patients coming in with their own things and that's just one of the aspects of my own you know health journey that i haven't implemented as much as i need to and possibly just because you know i I haven't experienced enough pain to you know warrant my willingness to do it but I'm really kind of looking and forecasting ahead. And, 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 and like I mentioned multiple times, my goal is to be as physically fit as I possibly can the older I get. And I'm not quite as you're respectable here. as you yet, but well, I want you, you to- You've got an amazing resume. Don't, don't play yourself down. <laughs> uh, but I definitely want to uh, do uh, and start working on my own physical fitness like that. So that, that is, Pax, I'm going to ask you to uh, keep me accountable on my foam rolling uh, you're hearing it here now, you're first here. and foremost. And right, I'm going to start implementing some of that as well because I certainly want to continue to perform at my highest level and and really kind of be as fit as I possibly can as I go forward. And and something to your point, Boucher, is so simple. And I, I have that time. I'm spending it doing something else. I, I might as well do it uh, that's going to serve me even better. So let's just say a guy gets up, he, he shows up in the gloom. Let's say he doesn't foam roll and like he should. And um, he's got a few minutes before the exercise or yeah, the, the workout begins. What are some things that we can do just kind of maybe standing around the parking lot waiting on the queue to start or maybe something the queue can think about implementing to kind of get the guys warmed up prior to starting the exercise. Sure. Great, great, um, great point of that. Not to belabor the point, but the rolling is always a simple one. And sometimes sure. I just use a two a piece of two inch PVC pipe, put a couple socks on it so I can throw it in. Cause I do a lot of Spartan races and you're out in the middle of cow pastures and stuff. I've ruined a lot of rollers that way. So you could, if, if, if you want to wake up, Rolling on a piece of PVC pipe at five o'clock in the morning, you're wide awake. So that's one thing. The other thing I focus on stretching three muscle groups. One's obviously the quads. And a simple way to do that is hook, hook your shoelaces, you know, the, the top of your shoe, like you, as you bend your foot back, so your foot's up on the tire of your car. So you're just kind of doing that, like kind of a hook stretch, the foot, your heel is coming behind you. And you kind of think of the concept of you getting longer through the quad and you're opening up the front of that hip. And the key thing, whether it be rollers or breathing or uh, stretching, is nice, really deep breathing. Three deep, simple deep breaths and then switch legs. The other group that's really important are the hamstrings. And you could, if, if you're doing it in the parking lot, spin around, put your foot up on the your tailgate of your truck or your bumper or your tire, facing the same tire, your foot's up on, say, the top of the tire. And think of keeping a nice straight back and you're leaning forward by bending at the hip. So you, in a sense, you're leaning forward with the front of your chest, not your chin. So as you slowly bring your chest towards your thigh, obviously you get a great stretch in the back of the hamstrings. Keep all stretches moderate. Literally from, if you're on a scale of one to 10, keep it at a five. Most of us as meatheads, we try to stretch around a nine, you know, really pull that muscle apart. It's addition by subtraction. Go about halfway through a moderate stretch, get to that position. Again, three deep breaths. And then the third group I think is important to stretch is the calves. Calves strains are a nightmare for us as we, as we get older. So the same thing with that is like a wall stretch. And we, I'm sure we've all done those where you could just kind of back away and lean your chest towards the car as you lean forward and you're keeping your heels down behind you and you're stretching your calf and your Achilles. So bam, 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 stretch your quads, stretch your hamstrings, stretch your calves. You're in pretty good shape to, to, to start there. And one last thing that sounds overly simplistic, I do this every morning before I roll is I literally just lay on my back because we're in bed, we're in chairs, our back's kind of rounded, just lay on a firm surface. You know, the F3 group, I'll lay right on the sidewalk and just straighten out my back's kind of swan eagle position. And now that hard surface allows your back to kind of flat, flatten itself out. There's no stress in the low back. You're getting that mid back between your shoulder blades to kind of open up. Again, nice deep breathing, kind of open things up before the, um, the bullets start flying, so to speak, is a good way to kind of get that spine ready. Now your hamstrings are ready, quads ready, calves ready. Uh, you're ready to sweat at that point. Yeah, those are great tips. And that's something all of us can easily do. And if we show up on time and, and 
allow ourselves that extra five minute cushion. That's just something that we can absolutely do. And, you know, those of you that are listening that maybe have a cue come up, uh, you know, and I'm a big advocate of the warm up. You know, a lot of guys feel like they have to jump right into 50 burpees or something crazy. And and I think that's just a recipe for injury, Uh, not only to yourself, but even if you personally had the chance to warm up, you may have a handful of guys in that circle that did not get that opportunity. And if exactly. we really care about our brothers returning to the gloom and capable of, of staying out there, then we really probably should put that in our perspective when it comes to designing our cues and what we're wanting our fellow PAX members to do or not do. Um, it's not about killing each other. Um, you know, at the end of the day, uh, if, if, if we're just injuring everybody or if we're just driving people away because our exercises are just too ludicrous as far as the difficulty and don't get me wrong, there's a time and place for sure. extreme. And, and if, and I'm not saying part of your workout can't be that way, especially if you've allowed proper warm up, proper stretching, kind of getting those muscles engaged and then yes. having some of those challenges for some of those PAX members who maybe are capable of doing some of the higher level intensity stuff. Um, you know, I think that's a perfect opportunity, but uh, to do it right out of the gate, I've never been a fan of, um, and I begrudgingly do it sometimes, meaning I, I follow the cue and, 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 and participate, uh, even though I know and I shouldn't. Um, but I, I just wanted to kind of point that out because I think that's a great great thing out there. And you mentioned something earlier about kind of taking it slow. And I feel like that's where we miss the boat sometimes in F3 is we try to get a guy off the couch to really participating in a workout at at full throttle and really no other arena that I know of as far as sports or whatever, or even workout styles will do that to an individual. Usually there's kind of a beginner, kind of a moderate, and you kind of work your way up. I was recently reading something about strength training and can't think of the actual legend or terminology, but the, the concept of the idea of really slow increases in your weight as far as what you're lifting is the optimal way of doing it, not only because it avoids injury because you're not overdoing it too quickly, but because it's gradual, your body naturally adapts to it in a, in, 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 in a timely manner so that you're not overly stressing anything all at once. And the analogy they gave was, you know, a, a guy had a baby calf and that, you know, the legend has it that he started carrying this calf everywhere he went. And as the calf grew, the man became stronger and stronger because he had to naturally carry more weight, but because it was a day by day by day by day by day process with tiny increases day by day, he never felt overwhelmed with what he does, but naturally developed bigger muscles and stronger you know, as the cow began to grow. And I think that's a good analogy for us to just kind of think out in our own physical fitness journey is don't try to do too much too fast. Find that pace that allows you to get started and then incrementally increase 1% a day and keep moving that because that's um, really how you're going to accelerate. But, but, you know, we're we're a society of instant gratification. We want to lose all the weight yesterday and we want to be as strong as the guy next to us tomorrow. And that's really not a good strategy. So I don't know if you have anything to say about that or, or something that you see as well, as far as weekend warriors go. I, I do. And I, I think you're, you're dead on. And I think the warm up is really important because everybody's coming to these workouts from a different angle. They have a different past medical history. They may have had surgery last week. They may have, you know, had a bad night of sleep. So they're coming from a lot of different angles. And I think that warm up, allowing the tissues to warm up and avoiding the injuries because um, the old saying is race is not always won by the swiftest of foot, but those that keep running. So allowing our ability to keep running, to keep working out and, and, and warming up things is a really important way. And then I love that great story about the calf. It's a great one. And, and that's been used as an example for, as they call progressive resistive exercises. And I think sometimes we forget that first letter, the P, the progressive. So we kind of throw that out. Like you said, we want to get faster and better and quicker, really fast. We're trying to keep up to the 25 year olds. And we just focus on the resistive exercises. We do it too quick. The chance of injuries go way up. And I I think 
take care of ourselves, that ability to listen to our body, because I think that ability to kind of say, listen to your body and say, where do I need to work? Where are the issues here? Is this, do I have a low back that's giving me a lot of trouble? Maybe the, the kind of core exercise that I'd have to do with a low back history is going to be very different than the next guy beside me. He's got a really strong back with no history. So I think that ability to kind of say, what do we really need and sit back? And I think that's one of the big powers of meditation is your body to kind of analyze your body as a whole and determine what part needs more love, which needs more attention, which needs more strength, which needs to get longer. And, and I think everybody's formulas a little bit differently. And you can kind of say, hey, you know, this area, I just always seem to be bound down in this one hip flexor. Well, a lot of times hip flexors are a real culprit because they're so, so strong with what we need to do as athletes for decades, but are sitting at our desk and sitting in our cars and all those things makes a really strong, but a tight hip flexor. You take a lot of tension off the hip flexor. When I talk about hip flexors, I use the analogy. It's like putting, if you have a tight hip flexor, let's say in your right side, it's like having a, a 20 pound weight in your right front pocket. Mm. Think about it. You put a 20 pound weight in your front pocket, what happens? Your pelvis kind of twists forward on that side. It's bound down in the front. It pulls your, that side of your abdomen towards your thigh more. And everything seems to get jammed up on that one side. Well, you release your hip flexor. You do a stretch that focuses on that one side. It's like taking 20 pounds out and your pelvis moves separately than your hip joint, than your low back. That's one simple exercise. Remember I said right up front, a lot of these sports medicine things don't have to be complicated, but if you know that's that one area that needs to be addressed, sometimes that's all you need. I, I, I love the story about this little big expensive machine in this factory breaks down and they bring in this repairman. It's an old guy. And he spends an hour walking around the machine, walking around the machine. He finally gets down his hands and knees and gets down the bottom of it and whacks it with a hammer and the machine starts up. Well, he sends the bill to the company. He says, whacking a hammer with a machine, $5 charge. Knowing where to hit the machine with a hammer, $495. So a lot of times we got to know what part of our body needs the whack with the hammer and what we can do to kind of address things so everything works properly. Um, so again, we can stay in the game. And I, th I think that's an important uh, uh, priority that each of us individually and the pack as a whole, uh, I think we can all learn a lot from that kind of mindset. Yeah, no, I think that's great. And I love that analogy with the, the repairman. I'd heard that before myself and, and you're absolutely right. You pay for the expertise, not the, not the whacking of the, of the hammer, if you will. Exactly. How, how guilty are we all the time? We're, we're hitting everything with a hammer and you know, this right. doesn't work. That's Let's right. whack it harder. Let's do more this exercise. And, and sometimes having a strategy to our, our our, our man mindset uh, might be a little bit healthier and a lot less expensive. Yeah, I know. Absolutely. And I know you, uh, you know, neither one of us are giving specific medical advice on this platform, but sure. let's just say um, someone doesn't properly warm up. They, they're not doing their foam roller like they need to. They find themselves in a, in a beat down and they kind of overdo it. And let's just say they're experiencing some back pain or knee pain or something like that. Is there any kind of, go-to strategies somebody could do for some initial relief? I mean, what's your belief on ice or heat or how long or something, you know, a PAX member can do to kind of mitigate some of that injury initially? Sure. I, I'm, I'm a big fan of ice. So yeah. I, I always say ice is your best friend. And there's a little bit of this movement on the side that people say ice is bad. You shouldn't ice things because it doesn't allow your body to stimulate enough heal stem cells. That's such overkill that let's, let's put that aside. And I'm, I'm not of that camp for a vast majority of soft tissue injuries that you and I would in the, in the pack would suffer. So if you're having pain, it's muscle related, joint related, ice. Ice is your best friend. General rule of thumb, I say, if you're putting an ice pack on and you're healthy, you don't have diabetes or circulatory problems, generally speaking, a max of 15 minutes. But if you're going to do an ice massage, which is a great way to get isolated, deeper penetration of the cold, a max of 10 minutes. So ice is a really important way. I'm, I'm obviously very biased towards physical therapy compared to medicine. So, you know, the mindset, let's start taking ibuprofen and medicine and things like that. Try to treat it with the physical therapy techniques or the resting, the stretching, the icing, um, hot tubs when you need it, things like that are really important. I, I think one of the first things to kind of say is, you know, what's the source of my pain? And do I feel like I'm getting pain in the joint or is it coming from the muscle? You know, those can be literally two inches apart, but there's a whole different injury that has a whole different mindset. So a lot of things are ice things, quieted down. I'm a big fan of what I call ice motion ice. So you ice something, then to get some easy motion, walk around or easy spin on the bike, do some simple exercise and ice it when you get done. You're controlling inflammation, the pain's gonna control, the ice is gonna control some of the pain. 
it's a good, simple way of, of getting yourself to move better. And also that helps when you have to go to, if you have to go to a doctor or a sports medicine specialist, you can give them some good insight to say, hey, this is what I was doing. This is what I did. And this is how I felt afterwards. That history of those kind of things is a lot better compared to saying, coming in and saying it hurts right here. Right. So I, th I think that's a good way of kind of knowing your injuries um, and, and then saying, okay, oh, this, this is really clearly when I stretch the muscle, it's a muscle pain. Well, one thing to do when people get surprised by this, and I use this with elite athletes all the time. And, and at first, like, oh, that doesn't sound right. And everybody comes back, says vast majority really helped. If you strain and you tear a muscle, the worst thing you can do is stretch it. Give it a max, at least 48 hours of just ice and no stretching. Because what happens is your muscles made up of thousands and thousands of these little rubber bands. And when they rip, what do they do? They bleed and they bleed into the muscle and they stimulate the body to start to heal it. Well, the ice kind of slows down the, the, the leaky faucet, if you will. But you want all that stuff to scar down. And you get done, you say, man, that muscle is really, really tight, but it doesn't hurt anymore. That's what you want. You want that scar to do its job and pull that muscle together and stop the bleeding, pull things together, and then you start maturing that scar. So if you get a true muscle injury, don't jump on the stretch train really quickly. Give it at least 48 hours to scar down. Sometimes this is uh, double that. Yeah. But again, listening to your body. What, what's that muscle really need? Is it get, don't be afraid of the tightness. You want tightness. You want to stop the bleeding. You want to start the healing process in the right direction. And obviously modifying your activity. You're not just going right back to the same thing you did the day before. Yeah, no, I think that's great advice. And I'm, I'm a big fan of ice too. That's one of Correct. the main things I always tell my patients initially as well, you know, getting rid of that inflammation or really kind of pushing that inflammation out. Uh, and I love the, the fact that, you know, having done that prior to going to professionals is, is a big help because I, I can I can echo that as well. If, if I'm dealing with a, a new patient and they are able to kind of help me understand what they've been doing up to that point and give me feedback, it helps me dial in a little bit more Absolutely. as far as where the injury is. And, and you know, I, I, I'm a much bigger fan of ice than heat. I think sometimes people get in trouble when they use some of those heating uh, devices, Absolutely. specifically some of those electronic generated yeah. ones, I think they can get in trouble. So I'm glad you brought that up as well, because I think that's a common mistake. You know, unfortunately, eight out of 10 new patients come to my office have used or were using some kind of heat source versus ice. And, and I don't know why that's so prevalent in our society of why heat is, and, and maybe just because it feels better and ice is uncomfortable and people prefer the feeling of, of the warmth. But to, to that point, uh, ice really kind of helps that healing process. And to your point, stop that bleeding and inflammation, yes. because that's what we want to stimulate is that healing properties. So yeah, Absolutely. I think, I think great advice. And I think that's going to save a lot of uh, guys uh, some heartache uh, as they kind of continue to, to, to move in the gloom. And, and I like the idea of motion because that's, I think, another common mistake people make is they feel injured or hurt and then they just sit or lay. And they yeah, and they stay immobile. So yeah. you, you, I think you did a great job of defining the difference between getting some motion in it versus overstretching it and overexerting yes. it. There, there's a fine line there. And, and I feel like, you know, uh, and people ask me all the time, well, doc, how do I know the difference between kind of what I should be doing and not doing? And I use kind of an analogy of a stoplight. I basically say, you know, if you think about a stoplight, green, of course, is no pain. You feel good. You go. I mean, it's no big deal. Red, on the other hand, is that acute, you know, you know, this is not right. And yeah. that's that stop. And then there's that yellow zone, if you will. It's maybe a little uncomfortable, but at the same time, it's not that red uh, stop. That's, that's kind of that area that you, you're allowed to kind of work through a little bit and, yes. and, and kind of take some caution and listen to your body. So I, I think that helps people kind of say, okay, it's okay to have a little pain. Some of this healing is going to be uncomfortable, but at the yeah. same time, I'm not continuing to injure myself, but I'm not also completely resting it to the point where I'm creating some problems on the back end. No, I, I love that. I love that. That's a, that's a great analogy. And I could see that really working for them to see that the, the, the good visual. And I think a lot of times with, I, I, I use a concept, I, I go around, I, I do a, a lot of corporate wellness talks and I kind of go in and teach people how to move better, eat better, think better and sleep better. And, and when I kind of talk to people with those kind of things, I, I always say, I use the concept motion is motion is lotion. 
you're loosening things up by doing easy motion. Spinning on the bike is better than the running when you initially want to get the joints moving. And so that if you think of that, I want to just get some lotion in these joints and in the muscles and get them healing. And to, to use your analogy of that red to green, you're kind of going yellowish green, you know, and, and you're working in that direction and getting people there. Because one thing that I love to do, and I can tell that you do as well, is, is empowering people to kind of take some of that control of what their body's doing and they're listening to it compared to kind of going into it a very passive mode and saying, what do I need to do? What, what's there? But that part where they're driving that train, they're listening to the body, they've known this history before, they're, they're taking notes on bigger guys, taking notes in their phones. So they kind of say, hey, where was this last week? And yeah, I am definitely getting better. So that empowering component of heading in the right direction, then it comes back to your point earlier about you have to modify. You can't walk and sprint. There's, there's some fast walking and some slow jogging in between there. But I, I think being part of that process and modifying it, it may be a temporary modification, it may be a full-time modification, but those abilities to control that gives you the ability to come back quicker. And the part that I think is a really, really important analogy, whether it be in the NFL or any sport or weekend warriors or F3 is to avoid any kind of setback and to stay in the game. So if you can do it and feel good and you're getting better and you're getting stronger and you're heading in the right direction and not, oh, here we go again, because that second injury typically is worse than the first. And now you're out for three weeks instead of one week. So that modification, being smart, listening to your body, you know, leaning on people around you that can give you smart advice. Uh, I, I think that goes a long way. Yeah. Well, Boucher, man, I think we could talk forever and uh, <laughs> in a day. No, I, I, I love your mindset. And I love the message that you give. And I've listened to, listened to a lot of your podcasts and and you, you walk the walk yourself. And I mean, you're, you're not just standing at the podium and giving advice. You're doing the things, you're trying things, you're listening to it, you're making those changes. And I think that goes a long way of, from a credibility point of view of you relating to your patients and your patients realize this isn't information that's just coming from a book or, or, or a social media post you saw. You did it yourself. And you're coming from a first person, authentic point of view of what you've done as an athlete, sharing with your patients. I, I, I can see why you're a big hit. Oh, I appreciate that. Uh, very kind words and, 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 you know, back at you, obviously you are as well living the talk and I'm just looking at your accolades of all the events that you've completed. Uh, it's certainly awe-inspiring, especially uh, at the young age of 59. I mean, you look, you look great. And in fact, uh, uh, bada bing, uh, F3's bada bing. He, you know, he described you as one of the fittest guys he's ever known. So, uh, <laughs> so, so he's legally it. blind. I don't know if he told you that part. <laughs> I, I, yeah, that's hilarious. Well, you know, I, I, I do want to kind of wrap today's conversation up. Uh, maybe we could do a part two in the future and, and maybe dive into a little bit more of some F or uh, some NFL stories and all that fun well, stuff. I, I, I got a lot of them. I'm sure you do. And, and I think that'll make a great episode for the packs to listen to, but uh, Absolutely. I got a couple. And if I can jump in here, one thing, Bo, yeah. not to interrupt Go you, but it. I'm going to send you a copy of my foam rolling for dummies book. And again, you're on record from earlier in this podcast is saying okay. you, you want the pack to keep you accountable, but, but I want you to try that marching and squatting and rolling on the tight leg. And just let's do that twice a day, three or four minutes, that one leg for five straight days. And then um, I, I'd love to hear back from you. Uh, and, and the pack will as well, as far as what you got from that, because I think uh, a roller is a simple way that all of us can uh, stay loose and uh, keep injuries at bay and, and, and save a lot of money and a lot of pain. Absolutely. Well, challenge accepted. And I will Good. do a future podcast on my experience with the roller and all the awesome. tips I can do. And then obviously we can link up some uh, opportunities for, for the other packs members to find how they can maybe get a copy of their own. Uh, do you guys sell it on Amazon and stuff? Yes, it's, it's on Amazon. Oh, perfect. All right. So we'll, we'll, we'll maybe get a link for that so people can support you and what you do and, and the message. So I got a, two final questions for you, Boucher, uh, to kind of wrap things up. The first is okay. this, and you've shared tons of great tips all, already, and, and maybe it'll just be some of the same things you've already shared or, or maybe different. But uh, if you had to give a guy three tips to get them started on their hunt for wellness, what would those three tips be? Um, I would say just move. If you're not, don't try to hammer. If you're not a runner, don't try to run, you know, walk fast and get out there and move. So I, I'd say bottom line is move arm circles, swimming, just, just get out there and move. Keep it simple. Um, I, I think is a, is a big step for a lot of us to, to move and to move farther and longer, so to speak. Um, the next advice I'd probably give you is when it comes to core, 
again, I like to keep stuff really simple. Focus most of your core of more of a, uh, a crunch base. In other words, you're doing crunches with your legs under one side, legs in the other way, one off the ground. You can do tons of different versions of crunching when you're, you're on a firm surface, your back never comes off the ground and a crunch, you're only bringing your shoulder blades up. So it's like doing a preacher curl for your abs. It's just a simple way of taking a bunch of stress off your low back, but really get your core, the front, the sides, a lot stronger. So I say that would be the second one. And I think the third one is find a way to listen to your body. Whether you do it as a quiet meditation in the morning, whether yoga or meditation isn't your game, so to speak, you just got to take some quiet time and close your eyes and listen to your body because your body's going to tell you a ton of stuff, what it needs, what it doesn't like, what it wants. When you eat this one food, man, I feel so much better. Or if I eat that food, you know, bro, I feel just heavy and sluggish. So listening to your body for everything that you're doing from what you're eating, what you're doing, how you're sleeping, how you're sitting, all those different things. And I think if you start listening to your body and you get more in touch with your body, you're going to find that you can really alleviate a lot of those little issues and you find yourself, you know what, these things make me feel better. And, and one last point on to that, what I do with a lot of my patients is I tell them to take a piece of paper and put a line down the middle, put a plus on the top side on one side of the line and a minus on the other side, and just leave that notepad on your coffee table or your kitchen table and start writing things on the plus side that make you feel better. You know, when I wear these shoes, I feel better, man. When I had that, this kind of meal, I feel better. Conversely, on the negative side, things that just, you know, when I sit in that chair, my back just doesn't feel good. Or, you know, if I only get six hours sleep a night, I just feel sluggish and not as sharp. And just don't think about it too much, but just start adding stuff to that list. And what you're going to find is there's going to be a few things on the plus side that really surprise you. I never made that analogy. This type of food makes me feel better, for example. And conversely, on the negative side, there's going to be a couple things on there like, I never thought when I drive my wife's car and I'm in that seat, my back feels like crap. So it's just a simple, we're very visual creatures. And I think that's a great way to kind of look at it and say, look, I, I can start doing more things on this plus side and less things on that negative side. It's kind of a no brainer, no blank Sherlock kind of thing. But I, I think if we do that and we look at it and we can save ourselves from getting in a little bit of pain and, and we stay happier on the healthy side, um, I, I think we both know the, uh, the outcome of that, uh, that analogy. Yeah, that's a great, great analogy and, and great advice. And, and, you know, I love the whole writing things down because it's about accountability. A lot of times we Absolutely. think things or we say things and if we're not putting it down, it's easily forgotten. And we forget that we thought that originally. And it's always nice to write those things down. So I think that's a great uh, tool and, and I'm going to have to adapt that and steal it from you for my own patience. Cause I think <laughs> it's all yours. Always happy to help. Oh, I appreciate that. So I do have one final question for you, but uh, before I ask it, I just, again, want to take a few moments and acknowledge you and say thank you for, for your willingness to come on the podcast today and just share your expertise and your knowledge. I know uh, this message is going to serve so many people uh, that listen to this. I mean, like I said, for the mo majority, it's a bunch of us middle-aged men trying to stay in shape. And, and the, the tips that you shared are so practical and I think are going to be life-changing for guys that are battling some of those chronic uh you know, setbacks. And so again, I just really appreciate you. And as far as we talked about the foam rollers for dummies book, but what are some other ways if a PAX member wanted to reach out to you or kind of learn more about who you are and what you're doing? Do you have a social media channel or anything that they can use to, to find you? I do. My website is simple. It's MikeRyanSportsMedicine.com. Okay. And most of my social media is going to be the same thing. MikeRyanSportsMedicine.com or MikeRyanSportsMedicine. Uh, but on Twitter, as you know, that's way too many letters for Twitter. So I, it's Ryan Sports Med on, okay. on Twitter, but Perfect. Facebook well, and uh, Instagram. But you know, any and even on there, I have a in my uh, website, MikeRyanSportsMedicine.com. I have a Hey Mike section. So I, I tend to get calls and messages every day from my buddies or friends or friends of friends of friends and say, Hey Mike, you know, it hurts when I do this or this and that. So like that Hey Mike <laughs> thing is always kind of a lead into, Hey, I got a med medical injury. Can you help me with it? And and uh, so yeah. that's a good way for them to kind of address me or get a hold of me. But, um, you know, th thank you for your kind words. But, and that really warmed my heart because helping people and helping people do the things that they love. And the, and the pack three is, has added F3 and the pack has added so much to me in my life and me as an athlete that to give back and, and, and help the brother to, uh, to stay healthy is something I love doing. And I, I feel very gifted, like a, a story I told when I was a sophomore in high school and I first saw about what athletic training was all about. And, 
I feel sports medicine is literally a hobby for me, not just a career. So I'm always willing to help people and, and, and help people uh, stay out of pain and be happy. Because I know, as my wife will tell you, I'm a lot easier to live with when I can stay happy and I'm healthy and I'm working out. I kind of think a vast majority of the, the, the pack uh, would probably say the same about their spouse. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I appreciate you sharing that information and, and hopefully PAX members, you will find Mike and look him up and just use him as a resource. If, if anything, see him on Sunday nights, uh, watching the NFL football season. Uh, now I have somebody to watch on television. Uh, there we Boucher, go. So. We, we, we got some good games coming up. So I'm, uh, right, I'm very excited for football season. Yeah, very cool. Um, so my last question is this, uh, what is your definition of wellness? Wellness is, and I kind of, I come around about with that too. And a lot of people want to hang the, the wellness thing. And sometimes that's hard to quantify. And when I speak to a lot of corporations, especially a lot of the financial ones, and I say, well, if you say, you know, give me your wellness grade, nobody has it because wellness is kind of an obscure kind of um, verbiage, so to speak. So I think if I was say wellness, I tend to change it to healthy. And I think healthy is be able to do the, to do the things that I want to do without pain that makes me happy. And I Perfect. think if we're doing that, we're, we're moving, we're doing what makes me, because what makes you happy is different than me than the, the guy down the road or the, the guy across the street. So I think that if we think less about just getting that label of wellness, which is kind of obscure and we're healthy because we can do what we want and we're out of pain, I, I, I think that's, that's the beauty of living because this, this life is not, uh, is not a, it, it's a true gift and it's, it's not guaranteed for tomorrow. I mean, from a very um, personal note, I just, before we came on here, I, uh, I was visiting my, uh, my mother-in-law who's in hospice and, um, and it, it brings reality and life and, and family to, uh, to the front stage center. Um, it, things like that, it really, really changed all of us. And uh, this morning was a great lesson of, of just that. Thanks for listening to the Hunt for Wellness podcast. Please rate and review our show and be sure to share it with your F3 brothers. As always, we are looking for inspiring stories to share and health experts to interview. So if that's you, please reach out to me at bones at huntforwellness.com, on the nation Slack at bones, or Twitter at HFW Podcast. And until next time, this has been Bones guiding the packs of F3 Nation on their hunt for wellness.